In case you've noticed, this is not where I usually film. My husband and I are both working from home today and he has a variety of work calls and business calls in our living room. So here I am on the floor of our bedroom delivering this video to you. We're all making the best of it here. Obviously the situation is not anything we expected or wanted. I'm a public health student and I'm still kind of in disbelief at how big this has gotten. But I am still here, still determined to bring you quality information, still determined to make the best of my schoolwork, YouTube, and everything else I've got going on. So, here we go. Hi there, my name is Natalie Nation, and you're watching Feed That Nation. We're continuing our series today. Um, March is National Nutrition Month. And I've been talking this month about healthy eating for college students. I've already covered healthy eating when you live in a dorm, healthy eating in your dining hall, and today I'm going to be talking about healthy eating, meal prepping, and cooking when you live by yourself. And this is assuming that you're living in a standard college apartment. Not everyone is in this situation, of course, but standard college apartment with a kitchen, a stove, an oven, that kind of thing. Um, probably a microwave, although I actually didn't have a microwave when I was living in a college apartment. <laughs> so everyone's situation is going to be different, but today I'm going to be talking about sort of tips and tricks for living on your own, cooking on your own, grocery shopping on your own. So my, probably my biggest tips about grocery shopping and cooking on your own are going to be centered around knowing what you want to cook before you go to the grocery store. So this is sort of multifaceted. There are a lot of different kind of tips and tricks within this one bigger tip and trick. So here we go. Definitely when you're thinking about, oh, I'm going to be living on my own for a few weeks, a whole semester, a year or more. Maybe you're just graduated college starting out living on your own. You want to get a pretty good idea of a number of meals that you can make that you like, that contain ingredients that you can afford and easily access that kind of come at different tiers of meal preparation time. So I have a number of meals that I enjoy that I make that probably take about 15 minutes to cook. So things like scrambled eggs on toast, uh, grilled cheese and soup, heating up leftovers. Sometimes I might do like a loaded salad, so leafy greens with a whole bunch of stuff thrown in there. That is what I would kind of put along the lines of a 15 minute meal. So something super fast, minimal prep work, something that you like on those days when you get home and you don't want to do anything, have a couple of meals in your arsenal that you can make that don't take much time at all. Because the alternative when you don't want to make anything, because everything you can think of sounds like it'll take too long or be too complicated, you're probably going to end up go ordering out or going out to eat. And a lot of times at restaurants, those options aren't going to be as nutritious as something you can make by yourself. Then you want to have your tier of meals that take somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes to prepare. And these are your meals that you might make ahead of time so that you have stuff for lunch or you might make it for dinner and then there's going to be leftovers for lunches the next day. So this might be something like a stir fry, so like rice, protein, veggies. Or it could be pasta and sauce or something else like that. Maybe a shakshuka, which is a cooked tomato stew with eggs in it. So things that are still relatively easy to make, 
not too much prep work, but they take a little bit longer and they make a little bit more food. Then you'll have a couple of meals in your arsenal that are going to be 60 plus minute meals. And for me, these are things that I would make if I was having company over or if I was going to have to feed more than just myself for a day or two or if I had the time to spend to make a more elaborate meal. So my meals in this category are things like a chickpea and lentil curry. I have a really enjoyable uh, vegan chili that I like to make or things like an enchilada bake where you have to make the filling for the enchilada separately and then wrap it up and bake it in the oven till it's ready. Things like that. Things that are a little bit more elaborate but produce a decent amount of food. So like my curry recipe feeds easily six people. My chili recipe feeds four to five people. Enchiladas could feed six plus people. Things like that. So these are going to be more of your like meal prep meals where you might only make it once a week or less, but you're going to get a whole lot of meals out of it. So having these sort of tiers of meals that you make are going to help you put together an idea of a grocery list. So let's say you're planning your meals out and you could do this per day, like Monday I'm going to make macaroni and cheese, Tuesday I'm going to make chili, or you can just have a list of meals that you know you're going to make sometime that week and you don't have to assign a day to it. But from that list of meals that you know you're going to make, that you know you like, that you know you have access to those ingredients at the grocery store, you can make your grocery list. And there are some things that I buy pretty much every time I'm at the grocery store because I use them in so many different things. So I'm always buying canned tomatoes. I'm always buying eggs. I'm always buying like shredded cheese, things like that. But for you, it might be something else. Maybe you cook with onions and peppers in basically every meal you make. Maybe you make rice almost every night. Those are going to be your staples. And then from there, you can build on with ingredients that you only need for one or two of those meals. So for me, if I'm making curry, I really only ever cook with coconut milk when I'm making curry. So coconut milk will only go on my grocery list if I know I'm making curry that week. So things like that. And this can take some trial and error for you to figure out, to be completely honest. Sometimes you might overbuy, underbuy, forget things. And then sometimes life happens where instead of making three 30-minute meals in a week, you end up making mostly 15-minute meals just because of the way life happens. Sometimes you really plan out that you want to make a 60-minute meal and then it turns out you don't have time or you just don't want to. You're not feeling like it. You get invited out to eat with a friend and you don't come home for dinner that night. So within the grocery shopping, yes, plan it out ahead of time. Yes, shop for those ingredients for those meals that you've planned out, but allow for flexibility and trial and error definitely gets easier as you go. My next tip is to try new foods and experiment. I have tried, honestly since coming to college, I have tried so many new foods and relearned liking foods that I used to hate. Those of you who are my real, my real sticklers who've been around since episode one know that I used to hate broccoli with a burning passion. I would avoid broccoli at all costs and now broccoli is on my grocery list basically every single week because I like it, my husband likes it, and we make it all the time. We roast it or we put it in pasta or stir fry. We're always eating broccoli in my house. So definitely if there's a food you didn't like when you were a child, a food you didn't really like in your dining hall in undergrad and now you're living on your own, 
think about will you try that food again? Could you prepare it in a different way? Are there foods that you've never tried that you really want to try? Now's the time, really, now that you're cooking and living on your own, it's a perfect time to try new things. My caveat with this is make sure you're experimenting modestly. So you want to try a new food, great, but don't buy eight new foods to try in a week because chances are you're not going to finish all of those foods or use them up and if they're all fresh produce items or items that go bad they're probably going to get wasted. I guess thinking about this there's a couple of different ways you could do this modestly because you know yourself you know how much you eat you know what you're cooking so maybe if you're thinking about trying a new vegetable don't just add that vegetable onto your grocery list swap it out with a vegetable that you were going to buy so instead of cauliflower you could try eggplant or whatever the case may be. So make swaps to your list so you're not overbuying food that could then maybe go bad. Definitely also, when you're trying a new food, don't just try it one way with one recipe. Definitely try it multiple times cooked multiple different ways. Because with a food like tofu, for example, which I really like sometimes, I love tofu when it's fried up and nice and crispy, but I hate tofu when it's marinated and soft and squishy. So there might be foods out there that you maybe don't like, but maybe you can find a way to prepare them in ways that you like. Now, something that's really trendy um, in the people our age, our age, the millennial-ish generation, the Gen Zers, we are really big into meal prepping. And I'd say if you've never tried meal prepping, living on your own and cooking on your own is a really great way to dive into this because it can be a lot of work when you're living on your own having to make all your own food. It can be a lot of work sometimes to make food every single night and have to continually be just doing all the dishes and all the prep work and all of that. So meal prepping could mean that you get home, you heat it up, and you just eat it. You know, you don't have to do all of that prep work. There is a podcast I listened to recently that talked all about meal prepping, so I'm totally borrowing some of these tips I'm going to share from her. I will link her down below, Crave Nutrition RD. I just listened to this episode twice because I got so much good information out of it. So with meal prepping, they talk about sort of two different types of meal prepping. There's recipe prepping and then there's sort of ingredient prepping. So recipe prepping would be like you find a recipe and you make it and then you have five servings and you eat those five servings. Versus ingredient prepping might be you know that you are going to be eating rice this week and you know you're going to be eating sauteed vegetables this week and you know you're going to be eating chicken this week. So you prepare all of those ingredients separately but then you don't have the I guess inflexibility of having just that one meal because if you have cooked rice you could do cooked rice in a stir-fry, you could do cooked rice in an enchilada, you could do cooked rice with curry, you have a lot of different options. The same with chicken, you could do chicken in a salad, chicken on a sandwich, chicken in a stir-fry. You could do the sautéed vegetables however you want with whatever you want. So you have a lot more flexibility if you prep ingredients, but you don't necessarily prep a recipe. Some people really like the, I guess, comfort of having a recipe ready-made. So it really just depends on you and your lifestyle and how you figure you will best um, meal prep. There's also something to consider where thinking about when you're meal prepping, what is your meal prep limit? What is the number of times, the maximum number of times that you can eat a food 
before you are absolutely sick of it and will not eat it anymore. And this is really important if you're someone who is thinking about recipe batching because if you make six servings of enchilada but your meal prep limit is like three, what are you going to do with those other three servings of enchilada that you know are perfectly good but you are just so sick of eating? So like for me, my meal prep limit is pretty low. I get bored of foods pretty fast. So I would say mine's like a two versus my husband. I feel like he doesn't even have a limit. He will eat the same food happily every day for a week. So between the two of us, we can make something, we can make a recipe that has a lot of servings because even after I get sick of it, he will still be willing to eat it. Versus between the two of us, I definitely enjoy having the flexibility of just having like leftover rice and doing something creative with it where he prefers to have a ready-made recipe that all he has to do is heat it up and it's ready to go. So when you're living on your own, really think about what are your limits? Where are you going to get sick of a food? Do you prefer recipe batching? Are you going to be a better ingredient batcher? Things like that. Even consider... Do you only have to recipe prep for lunch and dinner? Could you also batch prep breakfast foods? Could you do like an oatmeal bake and then be able to heat that up and eat it in the morning? Could you recipe batch um, frozen fruit for smoothies where you just individually measure the fruit you need for a smoothie every morning? All you have to do is put it in a blender with milk and yogurt and go. Are there ways that you can recipe prep that are going to make your life easier that might be a little less traditional? Maybe you're somebody who needs to batch prep your snacks. I mean, it really depends. So think about what is going to work for you in your life with what you need, with the way you live your life, your lifestyle, the times you eat, the times that you are too busy to eat, how you feel when you get home in the evening. It's all so individualized. So really consider all of that. I also wanted to talk about a little bit here about food safety and storing leftovers. So I learned about food safety in undergrad as part of my degree. I have a food safety manager certification and I sometimes take for granted that not everybody knows how to buy food, store food, cook food so that it is safe to eat. So just a couple of things to keep in mind is that most times with a food that you have made and it is now leftovers, those leftovers are no longer going to be good after seven days. So it's really important to either just remember the day you made the food, write it down, maybe on your fridge, or write the, ex write the date you made it on the container you're storing it in so that you know this food is seven days old, it is no longer good, I need to throw it away. Also know with when you're preparing hot foods, um, they need to be cooled off and stored as quickly as possible. So when you're making, say, a chili or a curry or really any hot food at all, it could be like a chicken patty, <laughs> whatever the case is, when you're done eating or even like before you sit down to eat, if you have leftovers, get them to cool off, get them in the fridge as quickly as you can. Just because the longer the food sits in what we call the temperature danger zone, so this range of temperatures that are above refrigerator temperature but below hot food temperature, bacteria like to grow. And we don't want bacteria to be growing in your food, so we need to minimize the time that your food spends in the temperature that bacteria prefer. So your, um, your temperature danger zone, not that you're going to have a thermometer, but it's 40 degrees to 135 degrees. If I had that wrong, I'll put it on the screen in front of me. Keep your food out of that zone. So either keep your food hot, so if you're serving 
hot food to friends, have it on the stove on a burner on low and just keep it warm until you're ready to cool it off and put it away. Or as soon as you can, get it into a container and get it into the fridge so that it can cool off, get all the way down through the temperature danger zone into the cold. I'll leave a couple of resources below if you're interested in reading more about food safety. Um, but just a couple more tips. Definitely always, always, always wash your hands before you start cooking. If you touch your face, wash your hands again. If you break raw eggs and you're using raw eggs, wash your hands. Raw meat, wash your hands. I know we've been hearing a lot about washing your hands lately with the current issues happening in the world, but it is even more important than ever to be practicing clean, sanitary kitchen practices. Also, if you're cooking with raw meat, be sure that you have a separate cutting board, a separate container, even a separate counter space if you can, separate knives, and don't use those knives that have touched raw meat for anything else until they've been washed in hot water and soap or they've gone through the dishwasher. Um, just because raw meat can have things like salmonella or E. coli, things that can be really damaging to your body, to the bodies of the people you serve your food to if you happen to accidentally contaminate your food with raw meat juices. I will share on the screen here um, a sample of what a grocery list typically would look like for me if I was cooking by myself. I've lived by myself a couple of different times in my life. And I know it's really hard to cook food for myself all the times, so I'm also, I give myself grace. And I've been lucky the times I've lived by myself to have been able to afford eating out once in a while or to have been able to afford uh, ready-made meals like freezer meals. And these foods... I know anyone who has talked about clean eating or processed foods might not think this is a good idea, but honestly, if it's a choice between maybe eating a microwave TV dinner that has vegetables versus ordering a pizza that doesn't, microwave processed foods are not always a bad thing, especially when you're thinking about consuming them in moderation with other foods that are less processed. So here on the screen is a sample of a grocery list that I might have one time used. Uh, you guys know I'm a vegetarian, so there's no meat on my list. I use a lot of cheese and eggs uh, as my proteins. I eat a lot of beans, things like that. I love spices, so I'm always looking for new spices to try. Um, I tend to get pretty bored with sandwich bread, even my favorite kind of bread, oat nut bread. So sometimes I'll switch it up and I'll get bagels or sourdough. I'm actually learning how to make my own sourdough right now or I might get English muffins or something just to shake it up, but that's typically what a grocery list would look like for me, and with the ingredients I have here, I would make things like shakshuka, I would make chili, I would of course make grilled cheese, I might make tomato soup, um, really, whatever you can think of. Um, I've been cooking on my own for so long that I have a decent repertoire of recipes I can make just in my head, but if you're new, to cooking and eating on your own, it's okay that you're really not sure and it's okay to refer to recipes, it's okay to try new things, and it's okay if you don't like the new things that you've tried. Now my last tip is if you are a college student who can afford to eat out, it is 100% okay to eat out uh, reasonably, moderately, you know, as when your budget allows, when you feel like you can or you should, if you're going out with friends, definitely. But the key here is you can maximize your restaurant leftovers. And the way I like to do this is because restaurants generally serve much more food than I could reasonably need 
in one sitting. This is not to say that I couldn't eat an entire restaurant meal, for example, a giant veggie burger with a ton of fries. Like, I could eat that all on my own, but if I don't need to, then I could cut the burger in half, eat half the fries, and take the rest home and eat them later. There, all of a sudden, that $12 burger and fries has all of a sudden become two meals for me instead of just one. So that's definitely something to think about if you are eating at a restaurant. Could you take the rest home with you to turn into a meal later? Uh, my husband and I ate out at a Mexican restaurant where I had leftover beans and rice that I took home. And with the beans and rice, instead of just having it by itself, I added corn and black beans and salsa and I made an entirely new meal out of those restaurant leftovers. So definitely get brave and experiment a bit with whatever restaurant leftovers you might have. My final tip, and this is something I learned the hard way because I am someone who is easily distracted. I have ADD. It is not my fault. It is just something that happens where I might be making a meal. I might be boiling water for pasta and I might forget that I'm boiling water for pasta. And I might leave the room and come back 20 minutes later and the water's at a rolling boil, but there's only half a cup of water left in the pot. So for me, something really helpful is to just always set timers when I'm cooking. Set timers to remind me to take food out of the oven. Set timers to remind me to take pasta out of the water when it's done cooking. Literally just timers for everything. Even if I'm heating up water for tea or something, I'll set a timer so I don't forget about that water for my tea. So definitely if you're someone who gets distracted in the kitchen like me, or if you're a less experienced cook, timers are your friend. You can use your timer on your phone, the timer on your stove, or your microwave. You can even buy a little egg timer and set it on the counter. Whatever is going to work for you. That's really just my final tip coming from experience. It helps me so much when I'm cooking if I set timers. I hope you found something in this video helpful. This was actually the probably the most requested um, topic when I asked you guys what you wanted me to talk about on Feed That Nation. Everybody wanted to know about cooking as a college student, grocery shopping on your own, um, sort of this whole topic. So I hope this video um, contained information that was helpful to you. I would love to hear your comments below about your favorite 15, 30, and 60 minute meals. I would love to hear your favorite items to buy at the grocery store. Really anything you want to share, I'm happy to hear it. I can't wait to start a conversation with you guys about this. As always, you can go follow me on my Instagram. I am at FeedThatNation. You can check out my blog, FeedThatNation.com. I've got some fun recipes on there that I've been developing for years that I use all the time. <laughs> and definitely, definitely, if you like this video, give it a thumbs up. Go ahead and subscribe. Share it with your friends. Take a screenshot. I don't know. Carry your pigeon. <laughs> Whatever it is, spread the word if you like my channel. If you like my videos, it helps me so much more than you know when you show me through a comment or a like. Until next time, my name is Natalie Nation and you're watching Feed That Nation. Have a great day and I'll talk to you soon.